Welcome home, and thank you for joining us here on the Real Life Church Podcast. We are people of faith with the voice of hope who are known by love. We hope you enjoy this message. Well, good morning, everybody. I'm so glad you're here today, and sometimes I like to start with a funny story, so um, here's one I found that uh, brought me great joy. So <clears throat> a doctor, a lawyer, a little boy, and a priest were out for a Sunday afternoon flight on a small engine airplane. Suddenly, the plane developed engine problems. In spite of the best efforts, the pilot finally announced to the rest of the people, we're going down, we're going down. Finally, the pilot grabbed a parachute, yelled to the passengers that they had better jump, and then he bailed out. Unfortunately, there were only three parachutes remaining with four people. The doctor grabbed one and said, I'm a doctor. I save lives. I deserve to live. He grabbed a parachute and jumped. The lawyer then said, I'm a lawyer. And everybody knows lawyers are the smartest people on the planet. I deserve to live. He grabbed a parachute and jumped. The priest looked at the little boy and said, young man, I've lived a full life. I'm ready to meet the Lord. Take the parachute and jump. The little boy hands him back the parachute and says, no, no, priest, it's okay. There's two left. The guy who's the smartest one in the world took my book bag when he jumped out. All love to lawyers if you're a lawyer out there. We love you. This year, about 70% of America says they plan to participate in Halloween in some form or fashion. Last year, America spent $12 billion on Halloween. Um, costumes for uh, their kids, costumes for themselves, costumes for their pets. Okay, I am part of the $12 billion right there. Um, <laughs> if truth be told, we have a big 90-pound dog named Rocky. He's a big old pit and he stands about this tall and he's orange. And so I got him big lion mane because I thought it was cute. And he uh, put that on for about five seconds and tore it back off. <laughs> Costumes for pets, supplies, <laughs> decorations, treats, candy. Um, and some of these numbers may be a little bit skewed, 12 billion, because churches all over the world will usually participate in some kind of fall festival, just like we will. And uh, there'll be hay bales and, and pumpkin carvings and all kinds of stuff. But this is a time of the year where the world just seems to zero in on fear and scariness and spookiness, right? Right? And so I, I felt like as we approach October, I, I want to obey the Lord, and I want to I stand in this moment and speak into this idea of fear that our world somehow gets absolutely obsessed with. Um, if you, I walk around my neighborhood all the time, and already there's already spooky stuff in people's yards, and, and you go into stores, and all the decorations are there, and, and this doesn't just happen in America. This happens literally around the world and has been happening for quite a long time. Um, but some of it ranges from kind of cute and a little spooky to downright demonic and evil. And so um, I think it's important for us as a church to engage this moment and engage these seasons with the fear of the Lord. And, and so we're going to actually um, talk this whole month about the fear 
And so uh, we're going to approach it from many different angles, many different perspectives, but I feel like this will be an awesome time together. And so um, this, will, this month will end in us having a special service together on October 29th, I think it is. Uh, 20, I don't know. It's the end of the month. Last Sunday of the month, we're going to have a really special time together, but I'm not going to tell you what it is. So it'll be a surprise. Um, but this year around the world, people kind of just get engrossed in fear and there's all these scary movies come out and right. Um, but in this series, I want to cover many different aspects of fear. Uh, and the lion's share of our time together will be spent around Yerat Adonai, which is the fear of the Lord. And the fear of the Lord, the Bible says, is a fountain of life. And this whole week, is we've just kind of been preparing our hearts and conditioning our hearts to spend these moments with you and engage in this conversation. I'm reminded that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Matter of fact, in Ecclesiastes, he says the conclusion of the matter is to fear the Lord. So somehow, the fear, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of everything God wants to do in our life, and it's the conclusion of the whole matter. And so we need to learn as a people who live by faith, who are a voice of hope, who are known by love, how to steward and how to walk in the fear of of the Lord. When we came in here this morning, the worship team, I heard shouting. I heard, I heard him going. I said, man, I'm going to peek in and see what's going on. And when I walked in, all I could describe what I was feeling was, man, the fear of the Lord is in this place. And the fear of the Lord is a good thing. And so it's not something God doesn't want us to be afraid of him. You don't have to, uh, you don't have to, um, there's a tension there between the awe of the Lord and the fear of the Lord. And so we'll dive into that together. But, um, it's going to be a lot of fun. But to kick this thing off, to launch this conversation, Jenny's going to get us started with the conversation about fear this morning. So I kind of want to talk to us about addressing, can we just address the fear factor? Can we do that as a church? How many of you guys would say fear is the good or fear is bad? Which one? Yes and both, right? Fear, we think of fear, right? There are destructive fears. We can be controlled by our fears. We know there's phobias. Literally, getting up and talking in front of people, their people would actually rather be dead, would rather die than get up and talk in front of people. There's people who are agoraphobia that are, they will not leave their home, that they're in their home. We have arachnophobia. If you're scared of spiders, I don't know all of them, but that we can be controlled by our fears, right? claustrophobia, being those closed spaces, we can, when we allow ungodly fears, God did not give us a spirit of fear. And when we allow those spirits of fear to control us, we actually um, are, have, those are handling us in destructive ways. I was reading this, and let me just, before I jump into this, I do want to say, being the month of October, you know, sometimes we think, oh, it's not a big deal of what we're watching, what we're listening to, but can I tell you, you need to be very careful with what you watch, what you listen to, what you're allowing into your space. You know, the enemy, we can give him topography. And I'm going to tell you something. You can give him topography. No, I'm just wrong. I said it. Um, but there is those places that if we're not careful, we just think the enemy will dilute it and make it seem unharmful. But what we do is we begin to open doors. And I'll just tell you, I, ha I suffered with nightmares for years. I finally, when I was in Bible college, I was like, I couldn't sleep. I mean, they were just horrible, very, very vivid, very violent. And I remember going to some of my leaders and I said, man, 
I'm, I'm like, I need some prayer. Like, I can't sleep. I'm waking up constantly. And they led me through repentance. And they're like, I mean, I used to watch all the horror stuff. And there's many things we can do to open the doors. But I want to be, I just want to encourage you, especially during this time, the occult, their practices are up. But I will tell you this, the enemy and God, I've said it a hundred times here, the enemy and God are not equals. Okay? So I'm not walking around in fear of what the occult's doing. I'm not naive. But my God is greater. He is the creator. The enemy is created. He doesn't have the same power. And so, but I do think as people and believers, we need to be careful what we're letting in. That was free. All right. So let's talk about the fear factor. I was looking at this, the word fear, Joey's like in the clap mode this morning. Um, I was thinking about this word fear. If you read the King James and that translation, fear is used over 500 times. That's a pretty big, like, there's some content around that. You know what I mean? Three, um, 365 times, it says fear not, one for every day. But over 200 times, it says we're to fear the Lord. How many of us in here would say that we love the Lord? I would assume that all of us being here on a Sunday morning, you know, sometimes we as preachers, can I just give you guys a little thing? Sometimes as preachers, we speak in extremes. And we say things because we know it will rally, you know, the crowd up. You don't think we do, but we do sometimes. And uh, we can get into very extremes. But when we come together, I believe that we are coming, not because we're just trying to fill out the boxes, but for some of us, we really, we want to abide with God. We want to be with God. We want to grow. We want to change. And sometimes we use this as like a a negative, like we're just coming to church because we're checking off the box. And, And maybe there's some of us that are. Maybe that's where you're at. But I think most of us, we really want to learn. We want to grow. We want what God wants for our lives. We want to be transformed. Amen. So God's been kind of correcting me on that. Just give you that for free. But on these, I know free things. I'm handing up free. You're raining money here. Um, but God tells us to fear God. And I would say all of us in here love God. I was listening to John Bevere. Some of you guys know him. He's a big preacher. And he has a book out right now, The All of God. And, but I was listening to a sermon, and I thought this was so, it just kind of hit me. He said he was talking to a very popular um, televangelist back in the day who was in prison. And if I said the name, you would know, and we're not going to bring shame. But he said, I was, the guy asked for me to come. He said, I went, and I began to talk to him. He said, over a few times, he said, I, I asked him, when did you fall out of love with Jesus? And the guy said, I didn't. I love Jesus. He's like, no, no, you're, you're not understanding my question. When you were sleeping with the other man's wife or when you were committing fraud or those things, when did you notice you fell out of love with Jesus? And he said, I didn't. I loved him. He said, but I lost the fear of God. And there's a lot of us. Listen, if you've been to our church, we just finished the series of the summer of love. We build our foundation on the love of God. But there is something called the fear of God. And it is my prayer as we are going into this that we would reclaim that if we've lost that in, my, in our lives, myself included. That, Lord, your love, who you are, God of the creator, the king of the universe, my God, may I have that awe and reverence of who you are. Because a lot of us, we love him. But we've lost the awe and the respect, and that's what we're talking about when we talk about the fear of the Lord. 
And he said this, and I, I was, I don't know if it was him or somebody else I was either reading or listening to. And man, do you ever just have stuff that it just hits you like bullseye in the heart? And he, they were talking, they said, you know, how many of you guys have ever had God deal with you on something? Give something up, lay something down, walk, you know, whatever it is. And they said, they were joking, they're like, oh man, God's been dealing with me for seven months, Miss Elizabeth. Seven months, God's been dealing with me to lay that down. <laughs> And we'll laugh it off. And so we've lost the awe and the respect. That God, my creator, the king of the universe, the one that holds everything together, that when he says, listen, I need you to let that go, I'm going to sit here and argue with you. Or I'm not going to trust you because I don't fear and I really don't respect your word. And so I'm just asking God to allow that to hit us if it needs to hit us, okay? So fear in itself, fear can uh, have obviously destructives. We have the doubtful, doubtful, harmful fears, right? The phobias, the spirit of fear. FOMO, how many of you guys got FOMO right now? You're trying to find your phone, the phantom's ringing, your fear of missing out. Um, it'll be there when you get done. These are not good, but there is the healthy fears. So let me give you a healthy fear. I love animals, so if I seen a sweet baby bear cub, Kara, you know, like a sweet little baby bear cub or a dog, you know, my, my heart wants to just go out there and kiss it and snuggle it, but I have a healthy fear and respect that mama bear might be coming around the corner, that I probably don't need to mess with that. I'll look from afar, but if I mess with that, there may be some consequences that I don't like, you know what I mean? So also, let me do this for those of you guys that are the nature lovers and talking. I just want to have a clear picture of what we're talking about when we're talking about the two different types of fear. I went on a trip to Colorado, got to see my sister, and they took me, and I did not climb this, did not climb that. We drove, we cheated, but we drove, we started, it was 90 degrees around that mark, and they were like, bring a jacket. I'm like, girl, it's 90 degrees. She was like, bring a jacket, and we started driving up to this highest elevation, and we got out, and I'm standing along with other people and on this ledge, and we're looking over just this amazing, beautiful, I can't even put it into words and describe. But at that moment, my breath was taken away as I'm like, I'm, I'm here touching, the sky is right here, snow-capped mountains, the beauty and the grandeur of what God has created. It was literally, took my breath away, and I'm trying to click the picture so I can show RC, but I'm like, he's not going to be able to capture it fully because he's not here you know what I mean he's not experiencing it and my prayer is God that we would as a people begin to experience the fear the awe and the reverence of who you are in our lives and some of you say girl I'm not a mountain so for you that are the beach people there you go I heard that I know see look they're like don't forget us if you're at the beach and you're at the mount, or you're standing there, right? It's before everybody's there or after everybody goes, and you're standing there and you're looking at this massive expanse of God's creation and glory. You're hearing the waves, you're hearing the roar. You ever seen a storm come up? It's it takes your breath away. That's what God is wanting with us. And in the middle of that, can I tell you something? You cannot have the love of God without the respect and the reverence of God. Because I can love somebody, but I can also be abusive. I can mistreat somebody. 
I mean, we're working on love. If you want to go back and, re, you know, listen to all that, we did the whole series. But there is a love and a respect. When Paul's actually talking about wives, he says, he doesn't just say love your husband. He says honor and respect. It's part of that. It all goes hand in hand. And you can't have, I'm just going to love him. you got to honor and respect him. All right. Thank you. So fear, by definition, causes a strong emotion, right? It, we have the anticipation of danger. How many of you guys ever experienced the fight or flight? Joe, you've experienced it? Joe's like, yeah, baby. That fight or flight, that, hey, in this moment, the hair standing up on the back of my head, I either need to fight or I need to remove myself from the situation. It can cause anxious concerns. God tells us to cast our cares upon him, not to be anxious for anything, right? We can get trapped if we get into unhealthy fear. It can cause for a reason or alarm. And then one of the definitions in the Webster, these are from the Webster, but one of the definitions is that reverential, awe-inspired towards God. And that word there, if you come back and study it in the Hebrew, Pastor R.C. already said it, is Jaira. And it means the awe, the reverence, the respect. It's closely related to trembling. When we begin to see God in his right space, Man, it does something to us. And we would think that the fear of the Lord would actually imprison us, right? God's not wanting us to cower down. He's not saying that, and we're going to see this. We're going to look at this here in just a few minutes. He's not saying that, Jennifer, I want you, when I'm coming at you, we're like, oh, my God, God's coming. No, run away. That was run away. Sorry, that was pretty high. <laughs> that we want to run from him. But when we allow ungodly fear, it will actually separate us from him. And instead of going to the one who says, I can rescue you, I can redeem you, I have hope for you. Oh, all right, you guys aren't ready. Ready, let's go. Proverbs 1.7, R.C. said this, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools de despise wisdom and instruction. Proverbs 9.10, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Isaiah 11 the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. He's talking about the branch of Jesse here. So the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord. His delight is in the fear of the Lord. Man, so good. So can we dive into this? I've got about, you guys give me about 20 minutes. And we dive into the series. When we allow unhealthy fears, I want to talk about three things. They will cause us to become imprisoned, intimidated, and immovable. So are you guys ready? All right. I believe you are. Some of us sitting in this room or listening online, and thank you guys for being here. Thank you guys for coming together. And I love our online community. I'm thankful we have that. But thank you for coming and being in the house. We miss you when you're not here. You bring something. Your praise, man, there's just things that we, ah, it's just a beautiful thing. We're better together. But there is something we've all probably experienced, torment, anybody, fear of the future, fear of what we've lost, fear of rejection, fear of man. All of those fears, if we're not careful, can bring us into an ungodly and bring us into a spirit of fear. And I love in Timothy, Paul tells him, he said, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power, 
love and a sound mind. I love Romans 8.28, and actually I started in Romans 8.14. It says, for as many are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage. Listen, you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we're children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, join heirs with Christ. And indeed, if we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. And we know, we love quoting this, right? Who shall separate us from the love of God, right? That gets us excited. Or it should, hopefully. Nothing shall tribulation, shall distress, persecution, famine, nakedness. Will anything separate us from God? No, it shouldn't. But I want us to look at somebody who got imprisoned, who separated themselves from God. God never separates from us. God is omnipresent. It means he is with us at all times. You may not feel him. Let me, can we say that? But God's omnipresent. It doesn't change whether you feel him or not. That is the truth. That is concrete. God is everywhere. It says, if I make my bed in heaven or if I make my bed in hell, you are there. He's omnipresent. But there are times where we come together and we may, I'm probably going to, I'm going to say Shekinah. I know it's not how you say it in Hebrew, but Shekinah. I don't know. However you say it. I'm going to say Shekinah. That's how we say it in America. So, but we have, sorry. But there is that time where that tangible presence of God comes in. And I love those moments. I don't live in the tangible presence of God. I live knowing he is omnipresent, that he is everywhere, that he never leaves me, he doesn't forsake me, that he is always with me. But there's those beautiful moments where it's his, he's tangible. We feel him. He's close when we're brokenhearted, right? I love that. So his presence, no matter what we've done, no matter what we're in, God never leaves. But we can separate from him. So listen, I've started thinking I like to ask questions. When did fear enter? And we don't have to go very far to see where fear entered. We go to the garden. We go to the place where Adam and Eve are walking with God. They're doing life. They're abiding. It's this beautiful place of perfection, right? Paradise. They have everything that they need. That sneaky, slimy little enemy comes in, rah, 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 running his mouth like he so often does. And they began, they, they sinned. They ate of what they weren't supposed to eat. And what happened? It said that they knew that they were naked. And they actually went and tried to cover themselves. They no longer stood under the covering of God. But they began to cover themselves. They began to try to take control. And they go and they hide. Once they sinned and disobeyed God, their sin created a prison of fear. It says when Adam hears God call, and he says, where are you? It said they hid because they were naked and afraid. Or you may say fear. That's what it meant. They feared. They feared how God would respond. And can I tell you this morning, if you are in a life, if you are in a place, whether you are a believer and you love God or you don't know and you haven't stepped into faith, but you have sinned and fallen short as we all have, our sin will cause us to be imprisoned by fear, fear that we're not going to measure up to what God wants. It'll cause us to begin to isolate. 
Have you ever met people who get controlled by fear? What do they do? They begin to hide. I don't want to be around anybody. My shame will start. They begin to take on this identity and they will actually hide. They become imprisoned by their fear. And they, call, um, they feared God's response to their sin. They feared their new awareness of sin. They were unable to experience the freedom that they once had had with God. And that's what sin will do. It separates us. But I love that that's not where God leaves us. I love that God calls. And just as he's done, if you read scripture over and over, the children of Israel would disobey God and he would call after them. He would put people, he would try, he would send prophets and kings and he would send up judges, ones who would be rulers and saviors to try to bring the children of Israel back. And as soon as they would repent, he would come back. He is constantly running after us in his love. So awesome. The enemy invited Adam and Eve into ungodly fear by disobedience and half-truths. The enemy does, with us, does that with us all the time. But when we stand in awe and reverence of who God is, that I know God loves me, that he's there to bring me back to right relationship and back into right identity with him, when I have that reverence and awe of who my God is, it doesn't matter what the enemy is telling me. It doesn't matter what I'm feeling or what's going on. I know because I have that reverence of who my God is that he is going to be the one that brings me back and covers me. Mm. All right, I am not probably going to get done. That's all right. When we allow fear to take over and settle in our hearts and we're not seeing God correctly, it will cause us to become imprisoned and we can become fearful of our futures, our losses, our insecurities, those core beliefs. We talked about about a year ago that God was coming after the lies that we built our lives upon and they create a prison and fear can control us to the point of turning away from God. God did not separate from them. They separated from God. But through the fear of God, abiding with him in prayer, coming together, living our lives with him, the more time you spend with him, the more time. How many of you guys have kids? When you have kids, they spend time with you, right? And sometimes you can be like, oh, we know exactly whose mom and daddy you are. Because why? They act like them. They talk like them. They have the mannerisms. You ever spend, you got a best friend and you start spending a lot of time together, you begin to be in that relationship. God says, when you abide with me, when you take on my way of life, when you take on my teachings, we've been talking about this on Wednesday night, when you're with me, man, I will begin to transform you. I love it. And I love that when we start to abide with him and we shift our eyes to Jesus and we ask for the Lord, that all that reverence to be in our lives. He moves us out of the shadows and he moves us into his marvelous light and love. Amen. All right, let's do intimidation really quickly. So we all said that we probably have fear in our lives. How we respond to those fears is a big thing. It, fear will cause us to become intimidated. It will cause us to want to shrink back. It will cause us to be um, in, in fear of what people think. I, I don't know about any of you guys, but man, I had the fear of man. Uh, 
How many of you guys know you guys can be scary at times? But I love here that Paul writes to Timothy in 2 Timothy. He said, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and sound judgment. Paul knew that Timothy was struggling, and this word there is timidity. It means where you're timid. There's not courage. And God's saying, when you see who I am, when you come and you understand who I am in your life, that I have actually covered you with my blood, that I've paid the price for you, that everything I have is yours, man, there's something with intimidation that says isn't going to stand because I'm not doing it in my own. God says, I will extend my grace unto you. And I don't have to do this by myself. I was thinking about, how many of you guys know Joshua? The story of Joshua. And I was thinking about Joshua. I love Joshua. And Joshua is getting ready to take the children of Israel over into the promised land. I don't know how many he had. At some point, there was 2 million people that um, Moses was leading. I know some of them died off in the wilderness because of unbelief. But there's a whole other generation. And here is Joshua who originally went to the promised land and knows what's there. He knows that there's some giants there. He knows that they're going to have to fight. But he also knows and believes in the power of God. He also knows who God is. And he says, we're more than able to go up. And so finally his time comes where he's getting ready to go. And what does God tell him? Do not fear. Why did he have to tell him that? Because I believe Joshua was probably freaking out a little bit. You know, it's one thing when you're like, yo, Moses, God told you, you know, I'm just second in command. I don't have to deal with that. You know what I mean? It's easy when you're second in command to tell the other person. But when you're it, the enemy, can you imagine the enemy in the, the onslaught of you're not going to make it? You're going to get over there. You're going to fail. You guys are going to die. You're going to get all these things. And some of us, we get stuck in that intimidation. The enemy will say, nothing is going to change in your life. These situations were never going to change. God's not going to come through. He's not going to be faithful. It's never going to happen. And we're like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. And we've listened to the fear and the lies of intimidation. And God says, you don't have a fear. You're not seeing me correctly. And I believe Joshua had a moment where he stood and he said, wait, I know I've got some fear. I know that I'm scared. But you know what? Right now, I remember when God led my people out of Egypt. I remember when God said that he was a fire that was there at, with us at night, that he was the cloud, that he was the manna, he was what we had to eat. He kept us. Our clothes didn't wear out. Our shoes didn't wear out. When people were murmuring, complaining, and getting bitten and dying, he said, man, we raised up a pole, and people began to get healed. That's my God. And I think something started happening where he says, the fear of the Lord began. He began to be in awe and reverence. This is my God. What he says that I'm able to do, then I am able to do it. I may not, I can't do it in my own, but he said he will go with me. So I want to encourage you, Neil, you can come. That was the quickest preaching time, was it? Some of you guys may be like, thank God you're done. That felt like that went by fast. Some of us, we get stuck in that intimidation. I've been there where it feels like if I try to take a step, I don't think I'm going to be able to make it. Or we might find where our sin keeps us. 
The spirit of fear will cause obstacles. It'll cause you to begin to doubt what God has said to you. And I think, and I'm praying, God, would you again give us the spirit of fear, Lord, the fear of the Lord, that we can come and stand in awe and reverence of who you are. Can it hit our lives again? That I begin to see you clearly. We talk about making God in our own image, right? God is my best friend. And I am thankful. I am thankful that he is my father. I'm thankful that I get to run into his lap. But make no mistake, he is also the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And I think that there's times that we have gotten familiar. And can I tell you that at times familiarity can bring contempt. God is not who we're dragging along saying, bless me, do this in my life. And when you don't do it, I'm going to have my pity party. God, you are the king of kings and the Lord of lords. You are the one who put everything in order and still holding it in your hands. So whether I understand it, whether it hurts, God, you are God. You deserve to be glorified. God keeps reminding me, Jenny, when you begin to glorify me, when you begin to lift me up, I will draw all men unto me. I don't have to try to draw my kids. When I begin to lift and I begin to live in relationship with him, when I begin to allow the joy of the Lord to be my strength, when I begin to allow the love of God to begin to burn things out of my life, then people will come and say, man, what is it that is going on? What do you have? I need that. I've talked to people. I've, we've been in this for 25 years. And I've talked to people, teens, adults, older adults. And we can look at people's lives on their filters and stories and reels. People who aren't living lives for God and think, man, they just got it going on. But man, I have had the opportunity of talking to those people, especially when they find out you pastor. The mask comes off. And they say, man, I'm broken. I'm alone. All I want is for somebody to love me. I feel so much shame. And you would never know it looking at the picture. This is why God says, don't look at their face. God's given us the very essence of who he is. The very essence of his love, the very essence of his peace, the very essence of his joy. He says, and I encourage you to follow me and take my yoke upon you. It's easy if you'll just come with me. And when we do that, guess what? People are watching. You'll have the Zacchaeus that are looking up from the tree, right? That say, hey, I've seen some changes. I've seen some things going on and I need that. <sighs> what sets us free is the Lord. And some of us 
myself included, I'm not talking. I, I told the Lord, I said, please help me not to feel like I'm coming at you. Can you hear that? I'm, I have to eat this word. I'm asking God to change me in this. God, that I love you, but am I reverencing you? Am I, when I come into this place that I'm in awe of who you are, I'm, I'm beholding you. I'm beholding your goodness. I'm beholding your beauty. When you tell me to do something, am I taking you at your word? Or am I arguing with you and trying to say it doesn't make sense and doesn't fit in? Or am I taking you at your word when you say, give this up, I promise. I'm the one who can resurrect it if it needs to be resurrected or let it go because I have something better for you. So this morning, I don't know where you're at in this and this is my prayer. God, teach us to have the fear of the Lord. I pray that when we walk in here, literally this is my prayer, that you can't even walk in. I can remember I've had beautiful experiences with God. And if you've never had that, I encourage you, God wants to show you who he is. It's not weird or kooky. Just ask God, don't take my word for it. Don't take my word for it. Ask him for yourself. God, begin to show me you. And he will. He knows how to talk to you. You may be a little different than me. But I can remember I was in Bible college and it was a time of prayer. And the weight of God I don't know if anybody else felt it or not. I didn't care. But the weight of God brought me to my knees. Next thing I know, I'm, I'm laying on the ground. I'm just laying before the Lord. And I could not get up. Like I, I, I was trying. My head is freaking out. I'm like, Lord, everybody is moving. We're done here. This part of the service is over. Okay, let's, you know, let's move. And his presence overshadowed me. And he began to do some healing in my heart. And whether it made sense to anybody else or not, I don't care because I don't live my life for everybody else. And so sometimes when God does stuff, you think like your head's going to be loving it. Your head is usually freaking out and being like, okay, what is going on? But your heart is saying yes. pray right now that if there's any of us God that we've separated from you because of our sin that we've allowed ourselves to become imprisoned and separated from you God that is not your heart and that is not your design and that is not your will for our lives You so loved us, you so loved humanity that you made a way 
by your son, Jesus, God. And that we, having nothing to earn that, God, get to come in and be covered by your righteousness. But there is repentance that needs to happen. It's the turning away. But the beautiful thing is, is when you begin to walk with God, I love, I, oh, I'm going to mess with some of you. I don't see where the disciples prayed a prayer one time to say, Jesus, I ask you into my heart. They begin to walk and follow after him and spending time with him, they became changed. And I know we need to pray. I'm for that. We, we do altar calls, okay? But guys, it's bigger than that. It's bigger than the one-time prayer. It's one time coming in and God, I surrender to you. Show me how to fear you. If you don't fear him, we need to repent and then ask us, God, will you show us how to reverence you? Would you show us how to stand in all of you? Would you show us the true picture of who you are, not what I've created? Would you give me the honor and the respect back for your word when you tell me to do something? Or when you encourage me, God, that I don't just throw it back on the ground, but that I receive it and I let it begin to do the work and change me. So if you're here this morning and you've never crossed into faith, if you've never repented and said, God, I surrender my life. I surrender all the wrongdoing. And God, I'm asking you to cover me by your grace, by your mercy, by your love. I encourage you to ask him because he will meet you. And I love in the garden that God did not leave them separated, but that he actually covered them. He removed them from the garden for some things we don't have time to get into. But he gave them hope and he gave them a future and he gave them a promise. And then he tells us over and over, I will be with you. I have not left you. I have not forsaken. Some of you need to hear that right now. This morning, the enemy has lied and he says, God has left you. No, he has not. He is there in the middle of the storm. He is there on the mountaintop. There's nowhere you can go from his presence. He is good all the time. So, Father, I just pray for us as a church. I'm going to ask our prayer team to come. If you need to accept Jesus, if you say, man, I haven't done that, I haven't surrendered my life, and I'm going to promise you, you will mess up when you leave. Because there's not one in here, not any of us. I don't care how long we've been walking with God. We still mess up. But the beautiful thing is, is I take it, I repent. When I mess up, I don't go to my prison of shame. I used to, even as a believer, if I would mess up, it may take me a week or two before I felt like good enough, like God forgot about it. And now I'm like, you know, when you're a kid and you disobeyed your parents, like if you suck up long enough or you just give them their space and you can kind of come back. God's not like that. But I'm getting now where I'm like, God, I've messed up. You know what, God, I've messed up and I'm here and I need your grace. God, help me not to do that. Teach me. It's that quick. Man, he changes your life. I, I need to stop. So come if you feel like you need to get right with God. It's not for anybody else. They're not going to stand in your place when you stand before God at the end of time. There's no one else. So all the people that you try to hold your image for, they won't be there with you. 
you'll be standing before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, one-on-one. And then for us as believers, as a fear, that fear is beautiful in awe and reverence. If we've disobeyed God and we turn, there is a dread. So Lord, I just pray for hearts today that they would come to you, that they would know your beauty and marvelous, breathtaking glory of who you are, that they would experience your love. We would experience your love. We would experience your holiness. Teach us as a church, Father, I pray. We welcome you into our hearts and lives, God. We ask it in your name, Jesus. We love you guys. For more information, to give, or if you need prayer for anything, visit us online at reallifeministries.org. Shalom.